Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. This is Urban Spelunking, brought to you by Midwest Stairs and Iron. This week, we're going to Milwaukee's central city, right around 32nd and Center, talking about the community within the corridor. This is a major transformative redevelopment happening, Bobby, around 32nd and Center. I went there back in October to get a tour, and you were there recently inside. What an interesting project, and what a huge space we're talking about. And, And it spans more than one building. This is a big, big footprint on 32nd and Center. It is mind boggling. <laughs> it's just mind boggling. I'm not sure how many square feet it is, but it's in probably, it's got to be the hundreds of thousands, right? Because yeah. the future gym space alone is 25,000 square feet. It's just, it's, you go in there and we did a walkthrough that took an hour and a half, two hours maybe, and we didn't even see everything. And we sort of were booking through there pretty quick. Um, it's it's just mind-boggling, and the fact is, they want they their plan is to be done by next summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, right. I mean, this is coming blows quick. my mind, like to to think of how it looks now. But they they didn't hesitate when I asked when they'll be done, and you know they, you know, Green Fire is doing the construction management. They do these kinds of projects all the time. So mm-hmm. if they think they can do it, I'm sure they can do it. Knock wood. Yeah. So this is a development that's gotten a lot of media attention. We had a story on Radio Milwaukee. Uh, pretty pretty recently, and I know it's been covered on, on Milwaukee and, and other media. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention for a good reason, because these buildings on, on 32nd and Center have been vacant, uh, pretty much primarily vacant since the late 1980s. We're talking about the former Briggs & Stratton. Um, this was a, a Briggs & Stratton plant, and Harley-Davidson was in there for a while. So some big Milwaukee names. Yeah, and I mean, it's two, at least two solid square blocks um, in the central city, that if you can reignite these two blocks, just think of what that could do to the entire neighborhood, you know. So we know that there's going to be a creative hub built here as well as housing. But to say that <laughs> creative hub and housing that like undersells it because there is so much coming to these two buildings. But what are some of the, the things coming to this redevelopment? I said this in the story. There's people who talk all the time about how yeah. we need investment in the city neighborhoods outside of downtown. Here's some people that are doing it, right? I mean, this is $67 million. It's going to create 197 um, apartments. That ginormous gym we talked about with a community space, a laundromat. There'll be a small grocery store. There's going to be a daycare. They already have a daycare operator. They're saying a skate park, a dog park, a putting green. Uh, There's going to be after-school programming for kids. There's going to be a small business incubator. There's going to be a creative space um, wow. and the creative space yes. was just amazing to read as somebody who for many years was in bands always struggling to find places to practice there's like a podcasting studio i think like an, a recording studio there's going to be meeting rooms there's going to be band rehearsal space i mean just it's mind-boggling <laughs> to think about all the all the stuff that's going to be in this complex it's really amazing well, as we mentioned, the the timeline is pretty aggressive. They're hoping to have this all wrapped up by next summer, which uh, is pretty amazing to see this development coming across. So we're gonna we're gonna go inside next and take kind of a mini tour, talk about some of the uh, other features of this building, plus some of that history that Bobby mentioned. Next on Urban Spelunking. Has your car been hibernating in your garage all winter? Donate it to Radio Milwaukee. 
running or not, your car, truck, or even boat can support this podcast. Go to RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to schedule your pickup. Did you know that the majority of 88.9's work is funded by members? That's why we can bring you such diverse programming through music, stories, and this podcast. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to become a member today. And we're back on 32nd and Center, the community within the corridor. As we mentioned, it's big. It's a big transformational redevelopment coming to 32nd and Center. And you just kind of ran through some of the the new features, rapid fire there, you know, between the podcast studio, the creative space, of course, the, the 192 units. Is that right? 197. 197 units. Plus, uh, you know, the, the the small grocery store and the laundromat and the, the putting green and the meeting space. Like, it's going to be so big. Yeah, and it's what I love is the fact that it's going to be in. They're not clearing the site and building apartments and stuff. They're they're using these buildings that are like sort of already woven into the fabric of not just the landscape but the city's history because there's they're so tied into when Milwaukee was you know the machine shop of the world. Right? So Briggs and Stratton, Harley, these were like like we said in the first half, some real Milwaukee companies that had connections to this building. And these buildings, I should say, because this is this is a whole complex. But I guess let's go back to when when Briggs and Stratton comes in because the buildings were were there already. Um, Briggs and Stratton buys the buildings and expands. Yeah, um, it takes a lot longer than that. You, you've made it sound much easier probably than it really was. But um, <laughs> I just you know, summarize like like fifty years or <laughs> exactly. But Briggs and Stratton was founded in the Third Ward um, in I think nineteen oh six. I'm sorry, in 1909. Uh, Briggs and Stratton was founded in the Third Ward in 1909. Uh, But then they outgrew that space pretty quickly um, because they were building auto ignition systems and things, and car production was really starting to take off, and then they started to build other electrical parts for cars. And so they had their own plant built uh, near 13th and Center in 1920, and that was like a big five-story plant, and they started to outgrow that pretty quickly too. So by 1936, they needed more space. So they started uh, buying buildings in this complex that we're talking about. Um, And there had been all kinds of um, companies in here before that. They didn't actually build um, any of the buildings that are there. They're owned by companies like Columbia Knitting, Ramadka Brothers, who made uh, trunks and luggage. Um, Westinghouse was uh, building... Uh, lights, light bulbs there. Uh, lots of shoe companies, Mid-State Shoe, Ideal Shoe, Weinbrenner Shoe, uh, Reliance Boiler Works were there. So all these companies have built these different buildings, which is why they all look different. You know, that's the that's sort of part of the challenge and part of the beauty of this project is that there's this really kind of unique collection of industrial buildings that all sort of look a little bit different. Um, but so in 36, Briggs & Stratton starts to... Um, move into this area and slowly over time, you know, between it's for 50 years, they're buying up these buildings. So they're just constantly expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. Um, And at some point they even start expanding outside of Milwaukee. You know, they Mm -hmm. build a place in, in Wauwatosa, they build a place in Menominee Falls, they build a place in Glendale and they ended up tearing down their East plant in 1976 and then they traded that site to Reliance Boiler Works for a piece of uh, for the building, one of the buildings on 32nd Center, 
Um, and then that's sort of the last, that's kind of the end of their time there. Once that last deal is made, they end up shutting down the plant, moving it to these suburban locations. And then it doesn't sit vacant, entirely vacant between 1976 and now, but it was partially vacant for all of the, all of that time. You know, I mean, there were some businesses had come in and occupied certain okay. bits, but this is going to be the first time this entire complex, I think, is back in use since Briggs and Stratton left. Yeah, so obviously um, we we established that there's lots of space, but what's the character of the building inside? I mean, uh, we we both walked through there. Well, let's see if we can kind of paint a picture for listeners here. I mean, it is like this industrial building with uh, it has that like that that perfect shade of like industrial green on the inside. Yes, uh, yes. Like green and and white brick, tons and tons of windows that just pour this beautiful natural light into this into this space which I, I suppose would be pretty standard for a factory space at that time to help with uh lighting and and heat right mm-hmm. yeah so on on the 32nd street on the west side of 32nd street the building right in the corner of center street was is like a single story building um it has high ceilings but it's single story and there are skylights in there like you said to help let light in um to help workers who are working in the factory see. Uh, that's the building that was occupied in the 1940s by Harley, interestingly okay. enough. Um, and then behind that, there are two buildings. One of them is a factory building that has these really gorgeous hardwood floors. And those don't have super high ceilings, but they have just their windows. All four walls are just solid windows. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful, like you said, a beautiful space. These, you know, these gorgeous floors with just flooded with light. The top floor is going to have skylights, again, like the original skylights that are there. Um, And then when you go to the east side of 32nd Street, on the corner, there's a bunch of Cream City brick buildings that are, I think, some of the earliest ones from about 1906 that were designed by Alexander Eschweiler. Um, And those have, like you said, these ginormous open spaces that they they just run almost like a, a block long with uh, tons of windows on either side, skylights on top. And these are sort of perfect buildings for building apartments into because you have these just wide open floor spaces that they can just frame out apartments without really any obstructions. Right, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. I asked when we were in one of those buildings on the east side of the street um, if they were going to keep the, you know, because they all have these, you can see all of the iron framework holding up the roofs. And these buildings, and they said they're going to keep that stuff exposed so people can see it, so they really get a sense of the um, the industrial past and the history of these buildings, which I think is great. Yeah, very cool. I, I can definitely say when I was walking through it, and maybe you felt the same way, but I was just thinking like how cool it's going to be for for people living here to you know live in this really cool space. First off, that it reminds you of of like a, a third ward like uh, loft building. Um, it's just got that such so much industrial character, and then to for those residents to have access to all of this stuff right there on site. You know, we talk about you know from the putting green to the grocery store to the daycare to the laundromat to all this creative, uh, all these creative connection points. Just how cool for residents. Well, and I think you hit on something there too. Like it's the kind of thing that a lot of people in the city see happening in certain neighborhoods, like you know the third ward, but not only the third ward. Lots of lots of neighborhoods, but never see it available to them yeah totally right mm-hmm. i mean it's it's definitely something other people have that i'm sure some people see this as the kind of development other people get so i think it's amazing that the that this neighborhood is going to get this kind of development that other neighborhoods have been getting and they can feel a part of this this whole thing too and this is definitely a public private partnership as well the uh um 
getting some historic tax credits and some incentives from the government. Can you kind of explain how that worked out? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a, there's tons of funding sources. It's a, a Minnesota-based company called Rowers and Milwaukee's uh, Scott Crawford are the developers. Um, and then there is a Milwaukee company that's going to manage the apartments. But um, it is going to, about $37 million of this $67 million is going to come from state and federal affordable housing and historic preservation tax credits. Um, and then the rest comes from a variety of loans and grants and sources. And I think the city of Milwaukee is kicking in a little bit too. Yeah. So it shows you like this was, this was not just uh, the work of one private developer. This was, this was uh, just a whole team of people. And it was led to, we should really mention the, the, uh, the core team that's leading this uh, Q El Amin and yeah, he's the rest Scott of his Crawford, team. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's taken them four years to get to this point. So, I mean, this is not, I mean, everybody's talking about it now and there has been some reporting on it during that whole four year period, um, but it's really sort of heating up now. So we're hearing a lot more about it now, but it's not something that happened overnight. It's, it, it's taken a lot of people coming together and working really hard to, to make it a reality for the, a neighborhood that really could use a, a nice boost like this. Well, as always, great pictures at RadioMilwaukee.org. And if you click the little info box on whatever platform you're listening to right now, we've got a link to Bobby's story. So plop that in your web browser. You can find uh, photos, history, and lots of great background info on this major redevelopment coming to 32nd and Center, the community within the corridor. Podcast on 88.9, produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab, with support from your membership from Midwest Stairs and Iron and from On Milwaukee. Subscribe and follow this podcast using whatever platform you're listening to. So go ahead and rate and review the podcast. It helps us uh, exist. (laughs) I love that. All right, Bobby, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Talk to you next week.